Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi there, I'm Uma Nea and welcome to the Girl Chart Podcast. During the series, I'll be joined by some amazing guests and hearing all about their brand of brown girl magic. As well as sharing stories and discussions with the South Asian twist, we'll be getting stuck into the chart and the chat. I'd love to hear from you, so please get in touch on Instagram at Girl Chart. Hi, lovely listeners. Welcome back. Today, I'm joined by Saima Thompson, who is a British-Pakistani restaurateur, writer and blogger who is also living with stage four lung cancer. Like many of us, I've experienced the shock and confusion that follows when someone you love is diagnosed with cancer. And following Saima's honest, open and raw account on Instagram last year has been an inspiration to me. On her blog and Insta page, the fabulously titled Currying Cancer, Saima shares every way the disease has changed her life. In particular, she's been a much-needed voice in talking about how cancer is discussed in South Asian communities, which is why I'm so happy to welcome Saima on the show today. Hi, Saima. Hey there. Thanks for having me on. Oh, how are you doing? I'm great, thank you. It's been, I think, almost a year since you got diagnosed. Um, what kind of treatment are you going through at the moment? What's been going on? So um, I got diagnosed with stage four um, lung cancer last mm-hmm. year. So currently I'm on a target therapy drug called a fatidip. So it's a pill a day, which sounds quite pleasant, uh, <laughs> but it does come with its side effects. Um, and I've just been through five sessions of radiotherapy um, and just feeling the after effects of that right now. So currently going for a little bit of fatigue, but pretty, pretty, like I'm in a good place at the moment. Good. Yeah. Oh, good to hear. I'm so <laughs> glad to have you here. Um, so I want to go back a bit just to find out about how about your diagnosis and, and when you found out. And had you been ill before you, you know, before you actually found out how, how ill you were? No. Clean bit, clean bit of health. Uh, yeah, I was, I, was, I was like rarely sick either. I never ever catch like those, you know, everyone always like have colds and flus around me and I was like never sick. Really? I barely have a cold. Yeah. So it just came out of the blue. What happened? You just went to the doctors for some blood tests, or what? What, what was what you were experiencing? So at the time, I was experiencing fatigue, mm-hmm. which I mean, who isn't fatigued these days, right? Oh my God, you know, everyone, everyone feels tired. Everyone's yeah. running off coffee. Mm-hmm. Everyone's running like ten million miles an hour. I hear you. And um, at the time, I was running a bar, a restaurant, and a restaurant, so two businesses. Yeah. I went to the GP. I had a swollen gland, and it just looked. It just it was really strange. Um, it turned out that was actually a tumor in my lymph node. So that. 
you know, in itself basically meant that the, the cancer had already progressed from a lung. Um, so you'd, you'd had cancer for quite a while. You'd been... Uh, exactly, and, yeah. And no signs. No signs. I had no coughs, no nothing. No coughs, yeah. Nothing, yeah. Nothing to indicate and lung what, cancer at all. And when you were told, obviously... You had no idea how ill you were. How, what was going through your mind in those like moments and hours and days after you were told that news? Um, to be honest, I took it really badly because you know, just considering my age, I never thought that you know this sort of kind of diagnosis would happen to like young people. Of course not. You just kind of really you perceive it as an old people's disease. You yeah. think old kind of smokers get it. Um, and yeah, I, I took it. I took. I took. You know, I just thought someone was like literally playing a joke on me. I just thought, you know what? Such a shock. And you had no symptoms at all. Yeah, this is the thing. And it was just just such an odd time. And, you know, even the the doctors were like, oh, you know, it's going to be like blood cancer or it's going to be something else. And, you know, they really, really, really never thought it was going to be stage four lung cancer. So So they were in shock shock. too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so how did you kind of start to come round to the idea like your life's changed yeah right um I'd say it was it was a process for me so I actually suffer with panic attacks after the like diagnosis just because I was so like petrified of like you know end of life because you know stage four there's no stage after stage four okay so it's kind of like so what does stage four mean like stage four means that it's 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 um it's um, it means that the cancers travel to multiple sites, um, and there's actually no stage after that. So it means that it's incurable um, medically, but you can live well with it. And this is the thing. So when so I got the news, it was just like it's told quite bluntly from the doctors. Mm-hmm. But obviously, going forward, you're like, okay, I'm nearly a year year on, and I'm like, okay, I can live with it. Like it's you know the panic has kind of started to kind of leave um, and you are living like you are doing so much right and I, I look at you Simon and I don't see an ill person when I look in front of me yeah I suppose it's just there's a misconception it's, yeah. like, it's like what does cancer look like yes exactly know? and I think a lot of the um, you know the media or the communications out there you kind of see bald heads you see chemotherapy mm-hmm. and you see people looking very very sick yeah um, but you know there's just so many different faces to cancer so that's why for me it was really important to to start talking about it and yeah. get a conversation going you talked about how understandably difficult it was telling your loved ones in particular your mum and that your mum didn't understand what cancer was. Can you tell, talk me through, like, how did you have that conversation? And does your mum kind of understand how bad it is right now? So my mother's typically, you know... Um you know, she came to the UK in the eighties. Yeah. Arranged marriage with my dad. Mm-hmm. She's from the Punjab in Pakistan. Um, you know, so total. You know, like she, she. I wouldn't say it's that she lacked knowledge, but she just lacked integration and and education yeah. about health. Mm-hmm. And I think, especially in our communities in the, in the in the South Asian yeah. community, we we don't tend to talk about illness Mm-mm. or bad news. You know, it's almost like. It's, it's almost, all taboo. And, yeah, and it's oversharing. Yeah, and yeah. then also I think people think bad. Like they, they might think negatively that your life isn't, you know, got a yeah. veneer on it. Yeah. And it's almost like, so bad news is almost talked in a gossip-like context. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like so-and-so, you know, something happened to so-and-so. And, you know, but you never talk about your own bad news. And... <laughs> My mum basically, when I told her, you know, mum, I've got like incurable cancer, like, it's not going to go away. Like, this is something that's going to be with me forever. 
she was just like, oh, no, you'll be fine, Beda. You know, you'll be fine, daughter. <laughs> and, you know, almost like I had the flu. And it was just like, no, mum, it, it's really oh, serious. God. And, you know, for me at the time, I was quite sick at the time. So it was, it was quite difficult for me to kind of like have to articulate myself and have to express myself and really like, try and educate my mother. And about- to prepare her. Mm-hmm. But you're so you're so feeling so rubbish yourself. Mm. Um I wonder also if there's a like we've got such an enmeshment with our parents in Asian culture like we're we're only happy if they're happy they're only happy if we're happy and I almost think sometimes for Asian parents it's just too much to think that their child isn't well it's yeah. like not my child mm-hmm. and uh, and I can understand like how difficult that must have been mm. but she kind of has started to understand yeah totally I mean there was a moment so basically I remember I was quite um I had a lot of um uh, uh, upper chest swelling at the time mm. and I was on steroids and typically she was like oh Simon I'll give you a massage oh. and um, and because the swelling was actually coming from a um, obstruction from one of the tumours in, right. in my artery and she was massaging my body and she realised that the swelling was in- internal yeah. and she said oh Beto you know I understand because um, I had a rash at the time and she said yeah. oh I understand the spots are inside you and that was the first time you know she acknowledged that I had tumours in my body. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it was, feel, yeah. Feel that your body kind of felt different It was swollen, well, yeah. yeah. And she could tell that it was some sort of internal obstruction. And that was the first time she had the realisation that, you know, this is Aww. something different. And, you know, and going forward as well, like I think with me just being so open about my diagnosis, yeah. it's been it's been quite healing for my family. And we've really come together. And, you know, she's learned so much from this experience. And she's just so much more knowledgeable about what I'm going through. And I think, you know, we're all facing it together. Yeah. yeah. I bet she's incredibly proud. And, and she's probably going on to educate her friends and tell them. And I'm sure she's a massive help, as you are, to other people who might be going through that. Yeah. Um, we touched on the kind of gossipy nature of, I think, also invisible illnesses or illnesses that people don't quite understand um, in South Asian c- communities. I think for many reasons, things are hidden. But I think you mentioned, uh, I read an article where you mentioned about shame and the Mm. shame that you felt after your diagnosis. Mm. Do you feel that shame isn't there anymore? How did you come around not feeling that feeling anymore and accepting there's nothing to be ashamed about? So especially, so I come from quite a conservative Mm -hmm. Pakistani kind of background. So for me there is this kind of perception of like, um, you know, sometimes, it, you know, illness is seen as destiny. Yeah. Like it's written on the walls. Yes. You know, that... It's meant to be. Yeah, yeah. like, you know, or that, you know, you're, dare I say it, cursed or... Oh, you know, God. These, so these more sorts of mindsets, you know they're not right, but it's almost like it's in your kind of, like, it, you're almost brainwashed. It's in our DNA to right. believe in Nazar and, yeah. Totally. So oh. it's just, it's, you know it's not right. Your conscious says it's not right, but it's your upbringing and it's your it's your background and it's kind of with you and you have to kind of break that kind of thought process. So for me, um, yeah, confronting the diagnosis mm-hmm. was really important. So when I started writing and actually publishing my blogs and things like that, that was my way of accepting the diagnosis yeah. and actually saying, no, I'm not ashamed. You know, I can serve food. I can have lung cancer. I can live and I can be a British Pakistani. Yeah. Um, you know, and... And, and it was just empowering for me to publish those words and put them out there. And, I, you know, I didn't care if one person read it, but then it started circulating. And, you know, the Internet's crazy. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of done its rounds in the top charities. And, you know, everyone's been sharing it. Obviously, I've been, you know, talking about it. I'm here with you right now. Mm. And, you know, it's just it's spiraled. But for me, it's, it's if it helps other 
absolutely. Asian, you know, South Asian people to come forward or accept what they're going through. Because, you know, at the moment I find there's a complete lack of conversation. I'm still struggling to find those people. Like I've just set up a, a Facebook group um, called um, Black Asian Minority Ethnic um, Cancer Support. Amazing. And at the moment it's only got 20 members. And you're like, come on. There must be more people come out on, there. Come on, you know. We need to find those stories. But there is just this taboo this big that shadow. shame that shame probably just carries on and mm-hmm. i kind of wonder i wanted to ask why you think i mean is it because of the gossipy nature is it because um it's embarrassing certain cancers in particular like gynae and breast cancers maybe right. are very difficult for south asian females to even talk about mm. publicly even to other women mm-hmm. i mean what do you think what do you think's happening when people aren't coming forward and talking about their story so i think we've got a few angles here so we've got um, an immigrant mentality mm-hmm. i think which is you know obviously our kind of our um, you know our mothers and fathers came to uk in the 60s and 70s and 80s and they just put their heads down and worked and that's kind of like rubbed off on us the second generation <laughs> yeah and we obviously try and you know we we make an active effort to level up to our white peers you know growing up for me i'm from like a quite a suburban white town gravesend mm-hmm. in kent and for me i just wanted to fit in you know and that was the goal right you're just looking to fit in yeah. and progress and do well and obviously at the same time make your parents happy yeah, <laughs> and the community yeah. like everyone around you you know so there's a lot, a lot know, of pressure a lot of pressure and yeah. this is before you know, getting a life-changing disease, right? Yeah. And then suddenly to get, you know, that sort of uh, diagnosis, you're like, crap, I'm failing. And, you know, you do, there's a level of failure and a level of shame that comes across, you know. I think if you don't go down the route, I, th- I think even it could just be about anything. But if you don't go down that path route that everybody thinks that you should, paved route that you should go down. Right. Um, and even with something like an illness, I mean, it's to, to, it sounds crazy to even feel that way when it's something completely out of your control mm. um but yeah i can absolutely see that but that's so, one like angle on it yeah and then you've got the other thing which is obviously we we have an interculture kind of like um we have this sort of you know like i said previously we've got lack of conversations anyway amongst our family so you know i've 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 got an example you know i've got an auntie who's very very close to me mm-hmm really close and um, she was basically exposed to cancer quite a lot her mother had breast cancer twice her father died of bone cancer and she never told us and this woman you know she was at my wedding like you know she so she's concealing quite... a lot yeah. keeping a lot inside which mm-hmm. again isn't great for um, health issues mm-hmm. to just keep everything yeah inside. because you know if you if you mention that to your you know your you know your cousins or your aunties or you know you're talking amongst your families and you're like okay yeah. so-and-so you know so-and-so's mum got breast cancer gosh i better like go get my mammogram or you know yeah so you know our what's happening now is you know the outcomes in our communities they might they must be bad because people aren't going to the doctors they're not going to the gps they're not yeah. getting they're not looking for symptoms I read that, that people aren't actually, I I think definitely with South Asian women and probably the kind of the generations um, Mm, above us, just didn't go to doctors and don't go to doctors. They're just kind of so focused on just, like you said before, we're just getting on with things, getting on, you know, doing what you've got to do, not letting anybody down. Um, And then these kind of things are being missed. And 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 stage late. Yeah. And and they're preventable. You know, we're talking prostate cancer, we're talking breast cancer. Caught early, they are. Are, kind are of, you know really treatable yeah. and you can live well and you know they're just not being caught 
And so, it's such a shame, but God, just keep talking, Simon. I love this. <laughs> I love it because it's so many people can learn from this and there is no shame in it. It just it is just part of life. It's part and of life. Like you said, so much is treatable. I also think South Asians, um, we do catastrophize a lot. So we do hear some bad news and we go to the worst <laughs> case scenario. Yeah, yeah, we're super dr- Punjabis especially. Yeah, it's <laughs> got to be something to do with Bollywood. It's got to be, you know, we grew up watching Bollywood and yeah, we, yeah everything's, everything's we, you know... We Go big. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So I think there's another um, school of thought where you think, well, I won't tell anyone because then they'll all be round and they'll all be panicking. They'll be, all be telling me the worst story that they've ever heard about somebody having cancer, <laughs> which is true. We've all been there. Yeah. Um, and so you just think, well, maybe I'll just not say anything. Mm. But yeah, I mean, that has to change because we need to have conversation because there are a lot of people dealing with loneliness. And I mean, one of the things I read a study, I think it's about five years old, which said that British South Asian women are more likely, five times more likely to suffer from depression post-diagnosis of cancer than other ladies who are going through the same thing. Now, so much must must be to do with isolation, loneliness, not feeling you can talk to anyone about Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, again, just the conversation needs to keep going. Mm -hmm. So we talked about Nuzzer and I definitely (laughs) fear it. Um, (laughs) But because I've I've heard this when uh, someone in my family had cancer as well, where somebody suggested they didn't take the conventional treatment. Um, And then also another suggestion was just going, you know, forget the forget the operation just go to visit that religious pilgrimage and it'll be fine uh, did you have any experience of anybody and it's all well-meaning but did anybody say that to you so um i'm luckily i've not been exposed to the nuzzer my uh, my grandma tried <laughs> to say the n-word and i said no grandma no not around me not yeah. having it so my grandma in pakistan was like Nuz. <laughs> and the phone went dead i was like grandma yeah. no <laughs> nanny no you know yeah. um, my auntie um had an interesting idea about my illness so I had I had a skin rash from the the targeted therapy drug, right? And uh, she she perceived it to be chickenpox. So she was like, right, you need to wear a red headscarf oh. for eleven days. Don't wash. Wear the same clothes, and then after eleven days, eat uh, sweet rice. 
and oh you'll be goodness. fine. And had some religious like soothsayer told her that that's what needed to be done, or she right? Just, so that's gonna cure. That's gonna cure my lung you cancer, right? You obviously did it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I can't say. I can't recommend it. <laughs> Yeah, it was a funny. A it was a funny eleven days. It was a funny eleven days. But yeah, I, I was like, um, sure, yeah. But again, these are just random phone calls to Pakistan, right? And you're just like, okay, take it with a pinch of salt. I you know. know. Oh god. What they, can you do? They all. I mean, like I said, everything's well-meaning. I mean, we've talked about the difficulties of being South Asian and and going through cancer. What are the positive things about when you, you know, about being from a South Asian community? Like for for me, when a family member had cancer, I mean, a lot of the stuff was the fact that we were never alone, even though we would maybe be alone in the battle and all the detail, but we were never alone. There was always food being brought round mm, and, mm. you know, constant phone calls and uh, maybe I couldn't tell them <laughs> everything, but, you know, it did feel very supported. And I wonder if other non-Asian um people who are going through cancer feel that level of kind of support sometimes claustrophobic support but did you have that so i'm um my family are disgustingly close i'm <laughs> one of um four sisters and my mother so we're like five girls oh lovely and yeah so as soon as it happened i mean even when i was in hospital my, my sister was just like barged in with as many beauty products as possible and then she realized i had an overnight stay and she was just like right snacks and you know and and, and they were just really really fantastic yeah. through the whole thing and you know to this day we hang out we're just all we're just hanging out constantly they're always helping me come into appointments and so you know and it really has I mean as, as bad as it sounds it has brought us together and yeah. you know um, one of my sisters was actually living in Manchester at the time and she wasn't sure what she was doing and I think this just when this happened it just it, it, you know it's something snapped to know and she said no I need to be at home and so she's moved back you know oh. back to the south yeah. and um, we're actually making a director of my restaurant so you know these, you know, there are wonderful things to come from yes. this sort of scenario. You know, like obviously for me, being a business owner, I wasn't in a position to to really operate and work in the restaurant. So I run a restaurant in South London called um, Masala Walla Cafe, and um, just it is the worst case scenario for anyone who's self employed. Yep. What do you do? But I'm 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 just so blessed that they, you know, they came running. They sound amazing. They, they sound are. so supportive. They're like Destiny's Child. Oh God. You said Punjabi Destiny's child. Do you know what I mean? You're Beyonce, obvs. Maybe. Um, but so obviously about the restaurant. I mean, that sounds so amazing that they that they've clubbed together. And also, I think one of the questions I I had for you is just how do you when you're going through an illness, um, how do you maintain your identity? You know, because people are going to change. You are going to change. But how do you rem like still be Saima? And the restaurant must be one of those things that is, is still in your life and you still have it and you're still creative, you know. But what, how else do you kind of maintain your sense of self? Um, to be honest, I think... When when you get this sort of diagnosis, your life it, it changes forever, yeah. and you know your friendships change as well. Mm -hmm. So I think now I have some very very strong relationships, really really um, loving friendships, you know. Oh. And I think I've really learned, you know, who's who um, in this scenario. So 
that's what's kept my identity really and those you know those girlfriends that hang on to dearly and we still laugh and we go out and we do what we've got to do and um you know and they and they kind of integrate into my new kind of cancer world as well <laughs> so they'll come to my sessions and come to the hospital hang out when, there you know and i think i think that's that's what it is it's just there's there is clarity yeah. when when this sort of thing happens in your life you realize what's important and life goes on so i still you know i still um you know so i exercise now my hobbies have slightly changed i think before i was very work orientated i was a bit of a workhorse mm-hmm. i had two businesses but now obviously i kind of i make time for myself so i think for me self-love has been really important just just taking care of myself nourishing my body taking my time with what i cook and what i eat and you wouldn't have done that before probably not you know even though yeah. i was running two restaurants i'd say you know my diet every restaurateur would say <laughs> yeah it's, it's just a bit eat, shaky eat when you can you, you <laughs> do it's like crisps at yeah, midnight and exactly. things like that and you know you have large lunches before dinner services and things like that but you know now it's like you know it, you know my life has changed it's been a, like a perspective it does yeah. these kind of things put everything into perspective absolutely um let well we have to talk about food because you know you're obviously a foodie and you've got a restaurant as simon said masala wala cafe in south london you've mentioned that you're your sisters manage the business now and help you uh, around treatments. Has your relationship with food changed since cancer? Absolutely. I value it more than right. ever. Um, I actually experienced dermatitis when I first uh, got put on the targeted therapy drugs right. back in last uh, last May. Mm-hmm. And that's inflammation of the mouth and lips. So it got to the point where I couldn't even eat a tomato. Oh my it was God. too acidic. You know, and for me, that's, you know, this Pakistani... Yeah, tomatoes and everything. Do you know what I mean? yeah. Chili is life, right? Like, it's like in my blood. And for me to not be able to eat chili... Have to bland food. Oh, God. And, you know, can you imagine? It was was torture. So for me, I actually appreciate food so much more. So for me at the moment, like, you know, I'm much more mindful with my diet. So I've kind of unprocessed it. I eat a lot more whole foods. And I'm just more mindful about what I put in my mouth. You know, I'm not very... I'm not like some sort of strict um, vegan vegan or anything, you know <laughs> nothing like that but i just i just make sure i nourish my body i'm just much more mindful about what what i'm putting in other people that i know who've gone through cancer it's funny they've suddenly become healthier actually once the diagnosis happened and start looking after themselves mm-hmm. like you say is there any kind of comfort food that you've like turn to just when your mood's low or your energy's low is there any particular dish that you've been going for Oh, for me, it's always got to be a good subsi masala. Oh, God, I'm so hungry now. I know. <laughs> it's got to be a good subsi, right? Just yeah. any kind of good seasonal veg. Healthy know, Tempered too. with mustard seeds, onions, garlic, ginger. I'm just happy. That's me. Simon. That and roti. I'm like, that's simple, you know. Just good the best times. meal. Best meal. <laughs> Nourishing, Moorish. That's it. Okay. And quick, you know. And quick, yeah. yeah. And are you still managing to cook at home and uh, for yourself? Yeah, so... I, I yeah, I make an active effort to cook for myself now. But recently, I actually had a little bit of mobility issues with my right, right arm, so I've had friends and family helping me cook. But I'll be getting that back shortly. Yeah, yeah. I bet everybody uh, just brings food anyway all the time. It's like yeah. I'm, feeding I'm us spoiled. with love. Yeah, yeah. You're a newlywed, Simon. Um, you've been married to your lovely husband Gareth for about five or six months. How long has it been? Yeah, nearly six months now. Congrats. Thank you. Um, going through what you're both going through as a young couple you know most people don't kind of married couples don't go through that you know even 20 30 years down the line how have you both coped to kind of stay connected and also kind of enjoy being newly married but but how have you kind of coped with the pressure together so I'm it turns out I'm a real I'm really lame so I celebrate every month 
of marriage. Oh my God, you're so cute. <laughs> so that's my thing for me. Every month is a milestone, obviously, because obviously when you get stage four cancer, yeah. life's a gift. Um, so yeah, I, I actually celebrate every month now. Um, so we're celebrating our six month anniversary next week. Um, we're going to go to Amersham in Buckinghamshire. Amazing. Yeah just for a little getaway yeah it, it, I never envisaged our life to be like this no. I never envisaged our marriage to start like this so I started last year engaged and then by April I had the diagnosis by August we got married because I'm just really bossy and I said look something good's got to happen yeah but what's been amazing I, I'd say we've had our struggles like any relate no relationship is perfect it's all about working constantly mm-hmm. I think it's about growing together no marriage is perfect no relationship is perfect you just have to work together and for me what's been you know what what's been the key is 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 just communication yeah constantly talking we talk more than ever now at great length and i think especially when you when you go through this sort of situation no stones unturned you know it can we, make you stronger in the end that's it and i think everything is just a little more black and white with us and we just know what's important you know and and we we're, we're living in the present so i think that's what's been like the kind of the key to you know the key to our marriage and what's worked for us so far you know early days obviously like I'm more and more in love with him every day I think it's just a really like it's just a really really deep love oh I feel a bit emotional oh sorry (laughs) oh bless you may you always be happy and um you know that that love uh, should grow even more but I'm so happy to hear and enjoy your six month anniversary in Amersham (laughs) so Simon the last thing I want to ask is anybody who's just been diagnosed have you got any kind of resources that you'd recommend that they go to obviously your Facebook group can you just give the details of that again that'd be amazing so yeah it's black Asian minority ethnic um, cancer support uh, Facebook group so you just look it up search it and join it and there we just we're just we've just started a community of people just sharing their stories and their cultural experiences as well as their cancer diagnoses because you find that there's there's always a story there's always something going on you know I've had stories of people just just parents not knowing what the hell what the hell's going on head in the sand totally and denial denial yeah yeah, there's a lot of denial going on um, and it's just somewhere for people to just go you know what this is what's happening with me. I need support. Like yeah. I need, I need to hear from like-minded voices. An understanding ear, like somebody who's been through it. Mm-hmm. And anything else that really helped in the early days of your diagnosis? So, any tips for anyone who's like newly diagnosed with some sort of chronic illness? What helped me was definitely exercise. Yeah. I really got into meditation and mindfulness. That it really works, helped me. Yeah. It really did. Just, just to kind of. Bring it back to the present and not worry because I think for me, what was the worst thing was, you know, you're just so wrapped, you're so wrapped up with the future, yeah. but the future's not guaranteed for anybody. For anyone, yeah. You know, we are all on the same journey. Yeah. And you just have to kind of take a step back and go, right, let's, you know, let's let's just t- let's just pause for a moment. Let's just deal with the next week or the next day. And, and you know, just take it from there, really. Live in the now. Live in the now, absolutely. Amazing advice, Simon. And everyone should check out Simon's blog and Instagram page, Curry and Cancer, because I think there's lots of kind of relatable tips that Simon offers and shares her her point of view and I think everyone can relate to that no matter what you're going through. Simon, I just want to say thank you for coming here today. You cancer is a very difficult subject to talk about anyway no matter what background or community you're from and sharing your journey you're just getting people talking and you're challenging perceptions and hopefully you're saving lives because of it because people are hearing what they need to hear and uh, raising awareness so thank you Saima 
Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. I also want to thank our producer, Amanda, and I want to thank you all for listening, and I will see you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.